1: Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the place to find a good night's rest. Tonight, I'll be reading The Final Chapters
0: of A Journey to the Centre of the Earth by Jules Verne.
1: In the last chapter, our adventurers discovered they were inside a volcano. In tonight's
0: story, they finally make an end to their perilous adventure. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this story as much as I've enjoyed reading it. If you have, let us know by responding to the Q&A if you happen to be listening on Spotify. It really
1: means a lot. If you haven't already, find a nice place to get cosy. Take a deep, relaxing breath. And settle your body in whatever way feels most comfortable. Now all you'll need to do is follow the sound of my voice. So let your eyes fall heavy. And your breath soften. As we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 43 Daylight at Last When I opened my eyes, I felt the hand of the guide clutching me firmly by the belt. With his other hand, he supported my uncle. I was not
0: grievously wounded, but bruised all over in the most remarkable manner. After a moment, I looked around and found that I was lying down on the slope of a mountain, not two yards from a yawning gulf into which I should have fallen had I made the slightest false step. Hans had saved me from death while I rolled insensible on the flanks of the crater. Where are we? dreamily asked my uncle who literally appeared to be disgusted at having returned to Earth. Weederdown Hunter simply shrugged his shoulders as a mark of total ignorance.
1: In Iceland, said I, not positively, but interrogatively. Nay, said Hans. How do you mean? cried the professor. No, what are your reasons? Hans is wrong, said I, rising. After all the innumerable
0: surprises of this journey, a yet more singular one was reserved to us. By extensive and widespread glaciers, in the midst of the arid deserts of the extreme northern regions, beneath the full rays of a polar sky, beyond the highest latitudes, but contrary to all expectations, I, my uncle, and the Icelander, were cast upon the slope of a mountain, calcined by the burning rays of a sun which was literally baking us with its fires. I could not believe my eyes, but the actual heat which affected my body allowed me no chance of doubting. We came out of the crater half naked, and the radiant star from which we had asked nothing for two months was good enough to be prodigal to us of light and warmth, a light and warmth we could easily have dispensed with. When our eyes were accustomed to the light we had lost sight of so long, I used them to rectify the errors of my imagination. Whatever happened, we should have been at Spitsbergen, and I was in no humour to yield to anything but the most absolute proof.
1: After some delay, the professor spoke. Hem, he said, in a hesitating
0: kind of way.
1: It really does not look like Iceland. But supposing it were the island of Jan Mayen, I ventured to observe. Not in the
0: least, my boy. This is not one of the volcanoes of the
1: north, with its hills of granite and its crown of snow. Nevertheless. Look, look, my boy, said the professor, as dogmatically
0: as usual. Right above our heads, at a great height, opened the crater of the volcano, from which escaped, from one quarter of an hour to the other, with a very loud explosion, a lofty jet of flame mingled with pumice stone, cinders and lava. I could feel the convulsions of nature in the mountain, which breathed like a huge whale, throwing up from time to time, fire and air through its enormous vents. Below, and floating along a slope of considerable angularity, the stream of eruptive matter spread away to a depth which did not give the volcano a height of three hundred fathoms. Its base disappeared in a perfect forest of green trees, among which I perceived olives, figs, and vines loaded with rich grapes. Certainly this was not the ordinary
1: aspect of the Arctic regions. About that there could not be the slightest doubt. When
0: the eye was satisfied at its glimpse of this verdant expanse, it fell upon the waters of a lovely sea or beautiful lake, which made of this enchanted land an island of not many leagues in extent. On the side of the rising sun was to be seen a little port crowded with houses, and near which the boats and vessels of peculiar build were floating upon azure waves. Beyond, groups of islands rose above the liquid plain, so numerous and close together as to resemble a vast beehive. Some presented the appearance of blue mountains of harmonious conformation upon others much more distant there appeared a prodigiously lofty cone, above the summit of which hung dark and heavy clouds. Towards the north, an immense expanse of water sparkled beneath the solar rays, occasionally allowing the extremity of a mast or the convexity
1: of a sail bellying to the wind to be seen. The unexpected character of such a scene added a hundredfold to its marvellous beauties. Where can we be? I asked, speaking in a low and solemn voice. Hans shut his eyes with an air of indifference, and my uncle
0: looked on without clearly understanding. Whatever this mountain may be, he said at last, I must confess, it is rather warm. The explosions do not leave off, and I do not think it is worthwhile to have left the interior of a volcano and remain here to receive a huge piece of rock upon one's head. Let us carefully descend the mountain and discover the real state
1: of the case. To confess the truth, I am dying of hunger and thirst.
0: Decidedly, the professor was no longer a truly reflective character. For myself, forgetting all my necessities, ignoring my fatigues and sufferings, I should have remained
1: still for several hours longer,
0: but it was necessary to follow my companions. The slope of the volcano was very steep and slippery. We slid our piles of ashes, avoiding the streams of hot lava which glided about like fiery serpents. Still, While we were advancing, I spoke with extreme volubility, for my imagination was too full not to explode in words. We are in Asia, I exclaimed. We are on the coast of India, in the great Malay Islands, in the centre of Oceania. We have crossed the one half of the globe to
1: come out right at the antipodes of Europe. But the compass, exclaimed my uncle, explain that to me. Yes, the compass, I said, with considerable hesitation. I grant that is a difficulty. According to it, we have always been going northward. Then it lied. Hem, to say it lied is rather a harsh word, was my answer. Then we are at the North Pole. The Pole? No, well, well, I give it up, was my reply. The
0: plain truth was that there was no explanation possible. I could make nothing of it. And all the while we were approaching this beautiful verdure, hunger and thirst tormented me fearfully. Happily, after two long hours' march, a beautiful country spread out before us, covered by olives, pomegranates, and vines, which appeared to belong to anybody and everybody. In any event, In the state of destitution into which we had fallen, we were not in a mood to ponder too scrupulously. What delight it was to press these delicious fruits to our lips and to bite at grapes and pomegranates fresh from the vine. Not far off, under the delicious shade of some trees. I discovered a spring of fresh water, in which we voluptuously laved our faces, hands, and feet. While we were all giving way to the delights of new found pleasures, a little child appeared between
1: two tufted olive trees. Ah, cried I, an inhabitant of this happy country.
0: The little fellow was poorly dressed, weak and suffering, and appeared terribly alarmed at our presence. Half-naked, with tangled, matted, and ragged beards, we did look supremely ill-favoured, and unless the country was a bandit land, we were not likely to alarm the inhabitants. Just as the boy was about to take his heels, Hans ran after him and brought him back, despite his cries and kicks. My uncle tried to look as gentle as possible and spoke then in German. What is the name of this mountain, my friend? The child made no reply.
1: Good, said my uncle with a very positive air of conviction. We are not in Germany.
0: He then made the same demand in English, of which language he was an excellent scholar. The child shook his head
1: and made no reply. I began to be considerably puzzled. Is he dumb? cried the professor
0: who was rather proud of his polyglot knowledge of languages
1: and made the same demand in French. The boy only stared in his face. I must perforce try him in Italian, said my uncle with a shrug. Dove noi siamo? Yes, tell me where we are. I added impatiently and eagerly. Again, the boy remained silent. My fine fellow, do you or do you not mean to speak? cried my uncle, who began
0: to get angry. He shook him and spoke another dialect of Italian language. Come si norma questa isola? What is the name of this island? Stromboli, replied the rickety little shepherd, dashing away from hands and disappearing into the olive groves.
1: We thought little enough about him. Stromboli. What effect on the imagination
0: did these few words produce? We were in the centre of the Mediterranean. Amidst the eastern archipelago of mythical memory, in the ancient strong Delos, where Aeolus kept the wind and the tempest chained up. And those blue mountains which rose towards the rising sun were the mountains of Calabria. And that mighty volcano which rose on the southern horizon was Etna the fierce
1: and celebrated Etna. Stromboli, stromboli, I repeated to myself. My
0: uncle played a regular accompaniment to my gestures and words.
1: We were singing together like an ancient chorus. Ah, what a journey, what a marvellous
0: and extraordinary journey. Here we had entered the earth by one volcano, and we had come out by another, and this other was situated more than twelve hundred leagues from Sneffels, from that drear country of Iceland, cast away on the confines of the earth. The wondrous changes of this expedition, had transported us to the most harmonious and beautiful of earthly lands. We had abandoned the region of external snows for that of infinite verdure, and had left over our heads the grey fog of the icy regions to come back to the azure sky of
1: Sicily. After a delicious repast of fruits and fresh water, we again continued
0: our journey in order to reach the port of Stromboli. To say how we had reached the island would scarcely have been prudent. The superstitious character of the Italians would have been at work, and we should have been called demons vomited from the infernal regions. It was therefore necessary to pass for humble and unfortunate shipwrecked travellers. It was certainly less striking and romantic, but it was decidedly safer. As we advanced, I could hear my worthy uncle muttering to himself. My compass, the compass most certainly marked north, this is a fact I
1: cannot explain in any way. Well, the fact is, said I, with an air of disdain, we must
0: not explain anything. It will be much more easy. I would like to see a professor of the Geneum Institution who is unable to explain a cosmic phenomenon. It would indeed be strange. And speaking thus, half-naked, my uncle, his leatherin purse round his loins, and his spectacles upon his nose, became once more
1: the terrible professor of mineralogy. An hour after leaving the Wood of Olives, we reached
0: the fort of San Vicenza, where Hans demanded the price of his thirteenth week of service my uncle paid him, and very many warm shakes of the hand. At that moment, if he did not indeed quite share our natural emotion, he allowed his feelings so far to give way as to indulge in an extraordinary expression for him. With the
1: tips of his two fingers, he gently pressed our hands and smiled. Chapter 44 The Journey Ended This is the final conclusion of our narrative,
0: which will probably be disbelieved even by people who are astonished
1: at nothing. I am, however, armed at all points against human incredulity.
0: We were kindly received by the Strombolite fishermen, who treated us as shipwrecked travellers. They gave us clothes and food. After a delay of forty-eight hours, on the thirtieth of September, a little vessel took us to Messina, where a few days of delightful and complete repose restored us to ourselves. On Friday, the 4th of October, we embarked on the Voltune, one of the postal packets of the Imperial Messengers of France, and three days later we landed in Marcelles, having no other care on our mind but that of our precious but erratic compass. This inexplicable circumstance tormented
1: me terribly. On the 9th of October, in the evening, we reached Hamburg. What was the astonishment of Martha? What was the joy of Gretchen? I will not attempt to define it.
0: Now then, Harry, that you really are a hero, she said. There is no reason why you should ever leave me again.
1: I looked at her. She was weeping tears of joy. I leave it to the imagination
0: if the return of Professor Hardwig made or did not make a sensation in Hamburg. Thanks to the indiscretion of Martha, the news of his departure for the interior of the earth had been spread over the whole world. No one would believe it and when they saw him back in safety, they believed it all the less. But the presence of Hans and many stray scraps of information by degrees modified public opinion. Then my uncle became a great man, and I the nephew of a great man, which, at all events, is something. Hamburg gave a festival in our honour. A public meeting of the Jonium Institution was held, at which the Professor related the whole story of his adventures, omitting only the facts in connection with the compass. That same day, he deposited in the archives of the town the document he found written by Saknasem, and he expressed his great regret. That circumstances, stronger than his will, did not allow him to follow the Icelandic traveller's track into the very centre of the earth. He was modest in his glory, but his reputation only increased.
1: So much honor necessarily created for him many envious enemies. Of
0: course they existed, and as his theories supported by certain facts, contradicted the system of science upon the question of central heat, he maintained his own views both with pen and speech against the learned of every country. Although I still believe in the theory of central heat, I confess that certain circumstances, hitherto very ill-defined, may modify the laws of such natural phenomena. At the moment when these questions were being discussed with interest, my uncle received a rude shock, one that he felt very much. Hans, despite everything he could say to the contrary, quitted Hamburg, the man to whom we owed so much would not allow us to pay our deep debt of gratitude. He was taken with nostalgia, a love for his Icelandic home. Farval, said he one day, and with this one short word of adieu, he started for Reykjavik, which he soon reached in safety. We were deeply attached to our brave duck hunter. His absence will never cause him to be forgotten by those whose lives he saved, and
1: I hope, at not some distant day, to see him again. To conclude, I may say that
0: our journey into the interior of the earth created an enormous sensation throughout the civilized world. It was translated and printed in many languages. All the leading journals published extracts from it, which were commentated, discussed, attacked and supported with equal animation by those who believed in its episodes and by those who were utterly incredulous. Wonderful. My uncle enjoyed, during his lifetime, all the glory he deserved, and he was even offered a large sum of money by Mr. Barnum, to exhibit himself in the United States, while I am credibly informed by a traveller that he is to be seen in waxwork at Madame Tussauds. But one care preyed upon his mind, a care which rendered him very unhappy.
1: One fact remained inexplicable, that of the compass. For a learned man to be baffled
0: by such an inexplicable phenomena was very aggravating,
1: but heaven was merciful, and in the end, my uncle was happy. One day, while he
0: put some minerals belonging to his collection in order, I fell upon the famous compass and examined it keenly for six months. it had lain unnoticed and untouched. I looked at it with curiosity, which soon became surprise.
1: I gave a loud cry. The professor, who was at hand, soon joined me. What is the matter? he cried. The compass. What then? Why its needle points to the south? and not to the north. My dear boy, you must be dreaming. I'm not dreaming. See, the poles are changed. Changed? My uncle put on his
0: spectacles, examined the instrument, and leaped with joy,
1: shaking the whole house a clear light fell upon our minds. "'Here it is,' he
0: cried, as soon as he had recovered the use of his speech. "'After we had once passed Cape sac the needle of this compass pointed to the southward instead of the northward. Evidently. Our error is now easily explained.' But to what phenomenon do we owe this
1: alteration in the needle? Nothing more simple. Explain yourself, my boy. I am on thorns.
0: During the storm, upon the central sea, the ball of fire which made a magnet of the iron in our raft turned our compass topsy-turvy. Ah, cried the professor. With a loud and ringing laugh. It was a trick of that inexplicable electricity. From that hour, my uncle was the happiest of learned men, and the happiest of ordinary mortals. For my pretty Verland girl, abdicating her position as ward, took her place in the house in the Konigstrasse, in the double quality of niece and wife. We now scarcely mention that her uncle was the illustrious Professor Hardwig, corresponding member of all the scientific, geological, mineralogical
1: and geographical societies of the five parts of the globe.